Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life. And we are on the cusp of a brand new year. And Christmas is over, but Advent is not, at least not in some ways. Yes, traditionally in the church calendar, Advent is over. Yes, the Advent season has traditionally uh, ceased and is done with Christmas coming. And yet, we who follow Jesus are still waiting, are still watching, are still hoping. And so I want to continue the series we began leading up to Christmas on Advent. Yes, change the tone just a little bit, but still continue that series with, we're still waiting. We're still Adventing. <laughs> we're still hoping for Jesus to come. Yes, he has come, uh, and but we're waiting for him to come again. And so uh, we want to continue that theme by thinking about this idea. You are here. If you've ever been, maybe, say, at a large park or a large zoo or maybe in a large shopping center or someplace, uh, a, an amusement park or something like that, where it's like, I need to figure out where I'm at. And they've got uh, places around, you know, that might have maps or maybe on an app on your phone, you have a map of the uh, of where you're at. And the map locates where you're at, even if you're just going to use your, your map to try to navigate, right, to get directions to where you're going, you'll get a little dot that shows where you're at. You are here. It locates you on the map. This is where you're at so that you know how to get where you want to go and what's going on around you. Well, that's where we're at in history. That's where we're at in the story of the Bible. That's where we're at in this Advent series, you are here. What do I mean by that? Well, let's locate ourselves where we're at on the map of God's plans and purposes in the world. So Christmas celebrates the coming of Jesus. And Jesus obviously comes as a baby, but he grows to a man and he goes to the cross. He dies on the cross and he rises from the dead. And so when he when he goes to the cross, the way Galatians chapter 3 says it is that he takes on himself the curse. Um, remember, in the story of the Bible, the whole world lies under a curse. Um, the curse of sin and the curse of death from Genesis chapter 3. Abraham is called that he might bring God's blessing to the whole world so that uh, blessing can replace curse. Uh, the curse can be reversed. Not only that, in the story of the Bible, Israel is the initial fulfillment of the promised Abraham. They are the people of the promise. They are the people of the blessing. And yet, they violate their covenant. They're unfaithful to God. They recapitulate the sin of Adam and Eve. And thus, they experience the curse, the curse of uh, exile and all the other curses that are promised in the, the, the covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And they experienced all that. They were exiled from their land and they still lie under a curse. The Shekinah glory had never re returned to the temple in the first century. And so there's a curse. And so Israel's cursed. The world is cursed. And when Jesus goes to the cross, what the apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 is, he takes upon himself the curse. He absorbs it into himself so that the curse can be exhausted of its power and blessing can begin to radiate out from there. And then Jesus risen from the dead and declared the Son of God with power. He was the Son of God before, but now 
being vindicated by God, risen from the dead. He's declared the Son of God with power, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1. And so the King has come. That's the message. The King has come. Not just born as a baby, but uh, dealing with sin and death and the power of evil and rising from the dead to say, I gave them home court advantage and I beat them anyhow. And the king has come. He's been exalted to the right hand of God. He's taken his throne. He sat down uh, next to the majesty on high. That's what uh, the New Testament tells us. And Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, uh, when Peter preaches this for the very first time, uh, the Spirit is poured out, and he says, the Spirit is now for you and for your children and for all who the Lord will call to himself. So prophecy is being fulfilled. Messiah has come. He's on the throne. The Spirit is being poured out, which proves that we've moved on in the stage of God's story to a new stage. The days of the Messiah are here. That's where we live. We live during the days of the Messiah. So when you locate yourself on the map of the story of the Bible and what God is doing in the world, you are here. You're living during the days of the Messiah. The King has come. He's risen from the dead. The Spirit has been poured out. And yet, sin still remains. Oppression still remains. Disease still remains. Death still remains. Like, the King has come. But the king's not done. His kingdom hasn't come fully. And the evidence is all around us in all the brokenness and sin uh, of the world as it still remains. Um, I think of Isaiah chapter 11. That's um, a promise of the coming of the Messiah. The root from the, the stump of Jesse is going to come, right? And Jesus is clearly the Messiah. His resurrection proves it. The pouring out of the Spirit demonstrates it, right? And so prophecy is being fulfilled. The Messiah has come. We are now in the days of the Messiah. And yet, listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 11. Then a shoot will spring up from the stump of Jesse. A branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor will he make decisions by what his ears hear. In other words, he won't be just, you know, he, he will have greater insight and he will be a just judge. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor. He will decide with fairness for the humble of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. And yet we still have injustice. We still have wickedness, right? Also righteousness will be the belt around his hips, faithfulness, the belt around his waist. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. That doesn't happen yet. And the calf and the young lion and the fatted steer, they will hang out together and a little boy can lead them. Like imagine a three or four or five-year-old boy leading a leopard and a wolf and a lion along with all these other domesticated animals. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The nursing child, a small child, 
will play by the hole of the cobra with no fear and no worrying. The winged child will put his hand in a viper's den. No problem. No worries. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. Now, the point that Isaiah is making in that prophecy is that there's going to come a day when perfect shalom, perfect harmony, covers the whole world because the knowledge of God has filled it. That there will be harmony between um, people and God. There will be harmony between people and nature. And they won't have to live in fear of nature anymore because there, there will be no harm. There will no, be no destruction in, in the world when that day comes. Now, the reality is, Messiah has come. The, the uh, branch from the root of Jesse, that is the Messiah that's coming out of David's line. We know he's arrived. We are in the days of Messiah. But a bunch of the stuff that Isaiah promised would happen when Messiah came hasn't yet happened. And so the kingdom has begun, but it's not completed. It's been inaugurated, but we're still waiting for it to be culminated. We live during the days of Messiah, and, and so already Messiah is coming. He's on his throne, and the Spirit has been poured out, and yet there's more to come. Um, there's more that still lies ahead. And this is really important for us to understand so that we know where we live, and we, we can celebrate what God has done, and yet we can look forward with anticipation and eagerness for what still lies ahead in the future. God is going to still do all this good stuff on earth. He's going to bring shalom to the earth. He's going to vanquish all his foes. He's going to remove wickedness and injustice from the world. All of that's yet to come, but it's not yet. So the kingdom has started. It's already, and yet it's not fully here. We live between the times. So you get passages, for example, like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. And yet, not fully. Because I know for myself personally that I may be a new creation and the old has passed away, but there's still some old residue that hangs on, right? There's still some old residue that has to be resisted. Um, this body is still wearing out and fading down, right? The resurrection still lies ahead. And so new creation is now, but it's also not yet. This is the tension. This is where we live, the now and the not yet. So new creation has begun, but it's not yet come fully. We're still waiting for the new earth. We're still waiting for the resurrection. We're still waiting for all these promises like those in Isaiah 11 to come to reality. Or here's another passage, Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7 um, says that we have been redeemed, that one of the spiritual blessings listed off um, at the beginning of Ephesians is we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And yet you get to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, same letter, a few paragraphs later, we're still waiting for, according to Ephesians 4.30, the day of redemption. So which is it? Have we been redeemed? Are we waiting for the day of redemption? It's both. We've experienced the first fruits of redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, but we're still waiting for the final day of redemption when we get our new body and there's a new earth. 
Um, this is where we live. You are here. You and I live in between the times. We live in the days when the Messiah has come. He has triumphed over sin and death, but he hasn't vanquished and eliminated sin and death. We're still waiting for the final day. And the New Testament authors, they had to put all this together because what they were expecting was when Messiah came, Isaiah 11 and other passages would immediately be fulfilled in total, completely. But that's not what happened. And so when you read the New Testament, what you get is this tension between the already and the not yet. We're already experiencing the blessings of the Spirit, but not yet fully because the flesh still prevails, the fallen human way of life, the fallen human cultures, fallen human desires, tension between flesh and spirit. Um, we live during the blessings of redemption and the forgiveness of sins, and yet we're not fully redeemed. We're waiting for the redemption of our body. Uh, we live it, when the new creation has begun, but it hasn't come fully and completely. We live at this point in the story between the already and the not yet. And that's why there's still disease, death, sin. That's why there's this tension for us in, in the world. And that's why, much like the, the Jews were when Jesus first came, they had been longing and waiting and watching and praying and hoping. And we live there too. We have the good news that Jesus is king, but we're waiting for the good news that his kingdom will come in full. You are here. That's where we live. And that's where we're at in the story of the Bible. So there's a whole lot more to come. So as good as the blessings are now, don't think you have everything you're supposed to, to have just yet. There's more to come. And next week, we'll look at what exactly is that more. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thanks again to all of you who make this ministry possible by your a generous support by your prayers. The Bible and life could not exist without everyday, ordinary people who say, man, I believe in this and I want to support it with $5, $10, $20, or whatever else it is. And so if you want to join the team of supporters as we enter into a new year and you want to help this ministry continue to grow and expand, uh, provide additional help and additional resources so it can grow and expand and we can better care for people, then you can swing over to johnwhitaker.net, johnwhitaker.net, click the Give button, and you can set up a monthly recurring donation. All donations are received in partnership with World Family Missions, a registered nonprofit that provides financial help and accountability to me and other ministries like mine. And so if you want to join the team of supporters, swing over to johnwhitaker.net, set up a monthly donation, or if you would prefer to give a one-time donation uh, to help us get started with this new year, then... Uh, do that as well. Thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you for it. And may he bless you this week. I look forward to talking with you again next week. 